0: What's up, guys? What's going on? I'm back. This is Pauline Theology's Daily Devo, and we are going over the book of Ephesians. We're in Ephesians 4, 17 through 19 today. And uh, yeah, we're actually kind of turning. We're on a turn a little bit as to all of the things that Paul said before about the body growing together, about us looking like Jesus, about us as a group, as a unit being unified, having our skills, also the gifts that he's given us, how we've been changed, we've been called out of this life. And now he's going to say a therefore or this I say so that we can kind of sum up the reasons why he's explained all these things. I did say and mention earlier about how chapters four through the rest are a um, practicalness or a outwalking of all of the theology, all of the identity, all of the uh trying to show you how powerful, mighty, and wonderful God is. And so because of those things, now we have these things. And that's why Paul says therefore. So anyway, if you haven't read the scriptures, go ahead and check it out 17 through 19 and we're going to dive deep in it. If you have, man, let's get it. So what does it actually say? It says therefore Um, therefore I say this and I'm a witness to the Lord. Like I insist upon this, that you no longer walk in the, um, in the, you no longer walk just as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds. It says that their understanding is darkened strangers or, um, separated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them. This is because of the hardness of their hearts and they being calloused have given themselves over to sensuality and all kinds of uh, 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 uncleanliness in excess or in uh, covetousness. And so what is Paul saying here? Well, first off, he's making it clear exactly what he's saying is don't walk this way. No longer walk as you used to. I think it's important to say this uh, the way he said it, to explain it. He says, as the Gentiles do. And we talked about a little bit earlier. He says, uh, Jews and Gentiles have become one in Christ. And he's saying, because you have lost that as your identity. You are no longer seen as a Gentile or Jew or anything. You're seen as one in Christ, as a picture and a part of the body of Christ. And that is so important because he also talks about how The unity says that we continue to maintain our respective identities as well. Yet they are not the fullness of our identity, that they are not the number one thing in which marks out who we are as a person. The one thing that marks us out as who we are as a person is Christ. Yet we still maintain these different identities, whether it be black, uh, male, female, uh, it be strong, tall, tall uh smooth with speech um craftiness with hands we still maintain those identities because we use those for the glory of God because we are in Christ but Paul man he turns it on his head real quickly because he says this that you no longer walk as the gentiles walk he he he's like talking to them saying he's a um a preacher to the gentiles yet he says you being Gentile you are no longer a Gentile it's because now he's pointing to their identity in Christ and that this is their supreme identity and how all of their other identities should be carried out. And so how the Gentile, because it's also so powerful because it means that we're wrapped up into the community of God. Earlier we talked about, I think in chapter two, it says that um, we were strangers and aliens to the promises of God. And that's what he says here again. He says that these people are strangers to the life of God. That means they're strangers to the fullness of life, which God can give. And we were that as well until God called us out of it by his powerful, mighty hand and gave us his spirit so that we might walk in him. And so he's saying this, that you are no longer identified as the Gentile, but you are a part of a creation, which he is creating in the new man, the Christian, that is a part of the family of God, man, that's that's powerful stuff, dude. Because he is turning it on his head, their identity, which they used to consider to be so strong and so powerful, it's been turned on their head. And then he goes to explain what he means by this. It says the futility of their minds. Now, this is important because the people who were living in that time didn't think that what they did was foolish or futile or empty or vain. They thought that by living these lives that they lived, that they were either accomplishing something in, this re- in the world, really, like by creating a greater state, especially the, uh, the, the Romans who uh, had this thing called uh, the Pax Romana. They said they were ushering a peace, you know, to all of the world under one umbrella of Rome. So they felt like they had a purpose. But here Paul is saying, no, the, the things that they do were futile. The things that they do have no meaning. And then we also have people who I think uh, maybe one of them is uh, uh, Marcus Aurelius, and he's one of the most famous Stoics. And the actions that he lived by and did, those things he thought had purpose to make him a better man. But Paul here is saying that it is futile. All these things measure up to nothing because in the end they get you nothing. And that is what Paul's saying. It says they have been darkened in their mind. And they are strangers to the life of God. You see, it's futile because they're strangers from God. Like the only real life, the only real purpose that can be found in this life is in God. Because he is the one who created us. Therefore, he is the one where we find our purpose. And it continues to say that, uh, that they are hardened in their hearts and that they are callous. Uh, this reminds me of Romans, which I've been reading as well. And it just talks about how after they have done so much sin by rejecting and suppressing the truth of God, that they exchange the image of God, the wonderful, the beautiful, the one that should be praised forever for images of man or of beasts. Of fish of creation, and then because of this, it says they begin to do all sorts of things that are against the glory of God, where they're taking things that are supposed to be by nature good and corrupting them, corrupting them. And this is the same way: it's that that corruption, that suppressing of the truth of who God is, begins to harden their heart. And then it says, and because their hearts are hardened, because of the callousness that is in it, the stone that is around it, it says that they have been, they have given themselves over to all types of different evils. Sensuality, these are just all types of, not only sexual sin, but also it would be like, I think they call it dissipation. Ah, I'm not sure. But it's like drinking, carousing, just any kind of sin that would please the body. That they were looking just to please or um, I think it's uh, where they just hedonism is, is the term. Anything that they would want to do to make themselves feel pleasurable. And then it says all kinds of uncleanliness, man, is what they're trying to do. Is anything that is debased or evil or unrighteous is what they're doing. And they're not only doing it, but they're doing it to excess. The, the word in the Greek is pleonexia. And it means like a greed or covetousness. And so they're doing it in such a way that they hunger and have a sensation for more. It's like they're greedy to do all types of sensual and unclean sins. They're greedy for it. That's what the, the outpouring of being outside of Christ is. So what does it say about God? What's it say about God? Well, it says that he's the only true life giver. There's only one life that is true and full and it is found in God alone. What does this say about man is that our identity is no longer to be wrapped up into what it used to be. Our lives are not characterized by what it used to be, but are full and purposed in Christ. And then after we find ourselves in Christ, then the things that we had great ability to do, they are focused for his glory. Or they may be cut off and God has something brand new for us. But it's no longer caught up in that. But the central focus and overarching theme is in Christ. Also, I think it says that life is futile for man without God. Without God, there is no purpose. And we may try to conjure up, make up, or create some kind of purpose in our lives. But in the end, it means nothing because he can't take it with you. And then nobody's going to remember when you're gone. But if we are with the one who is faithful and true, then he continues to move and to bless and we will be with him forever. Well, how can we apply these truths to our lives, man? I think we should look at our lives and see what we're wrapped up in. Is what we're doing to, 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 Glorify God, the things that we do or what we're doing, is it motivated by the glory of God, for his pleasure and his good, for his name to be spread, famous, to be known as true? What motivates our actions? Is it greed? Is it a sensation uh, for pleasure, for lust? That's something we need to think about. And then as we think about it, change it by the power of the spirit that's within us. I appreciate you guys for listening and I will see you on the next episode.